G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hello, it's Neil Johnson and welcome to today's 2020 podcast. You can hear 2020 on the Vision Radio Network from 10am Eastern Time. That's 11 Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time. There are a couple of recent films you may have ventured to the cinema to see. One of those is the Catherine Bigelow film Zero Dark Thirty and the other is the Quentin Tarantino film Django Unchained. According to Dr Justine Toe, who is a senior research fellow at the Centre for Public Christianity, both of these movies have much to teach us about the pointlessness of seeking revenge. Justine is with us today on 2020 to talk through the issues of vengeance in some of the latest films. Justine, welcome to 2020. Thanks for having me. Justine, the first thing I've got to say is, uh, why would a young woman uh, be going off to watch these movies? Wouldn't you prefer to be watching a chick flick instead? Well, I love all sorts of movies, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm particularly interested in Quentin Tarantino's work, which is why I went to see Django Unchained. Um, And I would actually call his earlier films, particularly Kill Bill, something of a chick flick, because this woman um, is brutally you know, violated and hurt um, and almost left for dead. But then she rises, you know, from the coma and she exacts this brutal vengeance mm. on all of those who hurt her. So that is, is kind of a chick flick, but it also brings in this theme of revenge that we're talking about today. Let's talk about, just to set the scene on these two movies, uh, Zero Dark Thirty and Django Unchained, uh, one of those seeks to accurately depict the CIA's decade-long hunt for Osama bin Laden. The other one, uh, the Django movie, it uh, rolls its way through the horror of America. American slavery, but both of these are united by this bleak belief that vengeance offers the only recourse in a mad, violent world. Uh, what leads you to think that? Well, just that, the, as I said with Tarantino, his previous films have always, or have, have seemed to be dealing with revenge over and over again, like in the Kill Bill um, film that I talked about, but also in his last film, which is about, um, you know, these these Jewish soldiers who go and try and execute Hitler and all his people, right, um, to prevent the, the Holocaust. Um, and with Zero Dark Thirty, we've got this hunt for bin Laden, which, you know, you, we know how this ends up. We've seen the newspaper headlines. We've seen that um, bin Laden was actually executed during a midnight raid on his compound. Uh, and so it's kind of like when you start watching this film, you know that this is going to be the end. And it's very hard to watch that film and just think, oh, okay, well, this is the end. This is the inexorable uh, push for vengeance that we're seeing here. Uh, and what's particularly interesting about these two films is that they're so different. Uh, you've got 
Zero Dark Thirty, which is very serious, very grim, I'd say. Whereas Django Unchained, you know, Tarantino's just having fun. He's just, um, he's not making fun of the institution of slavery, but he's just, you know, having a good time and um, depicting all his bloodbaths because he loves that kind of stuff. But what really struck me, as you said, uh, is that both of these films are saying that vengeance is good. Vengeance is the only option in a mad and violent world. And it's the only thing that we have, um, you know, there's, what other possibility of justice is there? Justine, lots of movies are based on vengeance. Uh, yes. Movies like Batman and uh, James Bond movies, uh, The Godfather, uh, one of those uh, movies with a popular Australian slash New Zealand actor, Gladiator. These yeah. are uh, these are very much vengeance-based movies too. When it comes to the idea of depicting a true account, uh, say in the Zero Dark Thirty movie, uh, is it more significant when you have vengeance at the centre of a theme, uh, when there is a story being told that is depicted as being the true story? Well, this is the thing. I think that the true story of Zero Dark Thirty would would say that it's about justice, let's say, you know, and, and certainly the, the American adventures in, in Iraq and, and Afghanistan would position themselves as being about justice. But if we kind of look at um, the way that bin Laden's death was glorified, let's say, um, there was a huge, I think, I think this reveals that vengeance was really um, the, the overriding imperative. And so even if it's a more serious kind of exploration of this theme under the guise of justice, we're really seeing a very emphatic um, uh, vengeance play um, play out before us. And no matter what you might have been feeling when Osama bin Laden was shot and that news reached the world, uh, a lot of people jumped for joy. But uh, one of the things that you're concerned about is the depiction in the movie actually brings into there a an overriding goal of deep interrogation and to the point of torture, which actually crosses a moral boundary there that that diminishes the movie somewhat. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this is one of the problems of vengeance because we see that the the people who are victims of violence can very easily become the aggressors of a new wave of violence, if I might put it that way. So while that's not entirely accurate to say of the movie because it's not as though they go and torture 3,000, let's say, people, you know, one for each person who died at 9-11. They don't go and torture 3,000 detainees. But we're seeing here that the U.S. is um, maybe not living up to its particular ideals of liberty and justice and rights. They, They seem all, you know, nice to have, but ultimately ineffective when dealing with this sort of threat. So that's one of the big problems, um, we're seeing that the so-called victims are perhaps not as innocent as they might otherwise um, be. So that's one of my concerns. But what also really disturbs me is this idea that revenge doesn't end. You know, it just perpetuates an endless cycle of violence. There's, I, you can imagine how Django Unchained ends, you know, knowing Tarantino's style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a bloodbath coming. And curiously, also a bloodbath that ends Zero Dark Thirty. You, you can't imagine that you know, the story will end there. I mean, the films end there, but, you know, I don't think we're done with the war on terror, to be quite honest, with bin Laden's death. And I don't think that the victory, let's say, of Django is the last part of the story, because if you think about the film in its context, it's taking place before the Civil War, deep in the American South, where slavery is widely practiced. And you've got this this liberated slave who's riding around um, after having 
you know, murdered, sorry to spoil the movie, having murdered a bunch of people. And so you can only say that, well, you know, something's going to going to blow back in, in everyone's faces here, that effort to um, have vengeance and destroy all those who, who hurt you in the first place, it's, you know, and you've actually become atrocious and violent in, in, in carrying out that vengeance, it's going to come back and bite you as well. So that's what I see, see as the problem with vengeance, because it doesn't end. It just endlessly goes on and on and on. And incidentally, uh, this point is, is alluded to in one of Steven Spielberg's earlier films called Munich. And that film's about this, um, this Israeli uh, Mossad hit squad who are charged with executing um, the members of a terrorist group that killed the Jewish athletes at the 72 Olympics. Um, but that film is also a depiction of the enormous emotional toll that violence takes and vengeance takes on the people who are carrying out the vengeance. Uh, and at the end, you've got this scene where Eric Banner's uh, Mossad agent is saying, we didn't really achieve anything. You know, the terrorist leadership was simply replaced and there is no peace at the end of this. And then perhaps to underline his point, you know, Spielberg shows this um, the, the shot of the lower Manhattan skyline of the 70s, which is when the film is set. And you can see the, the still standing twin towers because they were newly built in the 70s. Whereas, of course, we're watching this movie in a post-9-11 world. You know, this, this film was only made a couple of years ago. So we see with graphic you know, evidence before us that violence begets violence. Um, there is no peace um, at the end of all these efforts to retaliate against each other for injuries that are suffered. So... I think that vengeance doesn't end. It just keeps going on and on and on. And as I said before, it tends to, to recreate the victims in the image of their aggressors. Let's talk some more about that. And as you're saying, vengeance might actually make for good movie plots because it does go on and on and on and it makes yeah. way for sequels. But in real life, uh, vengeance uh, is dreadful. And if you live your life in vengeance, uh, you are leading a dreadful existence. Uh, Justin, I'd like to talk to you some more about that and about this whole theme of vengeance and what's happening in movies today in general. Stay with us. We'll come back and talk some more shortly. You're listening to the 2020 podcast on the Vision Radio Network. We're back talking about the issue of vengeance in two of the latest movies at the cinemas. One of those is the film Zero Dark Thirty. The other is Django Unchained. These movies are themed on revenge. And as we said in our last segment, revenge might be great in a movie plot because it makes way for great sequels. But in real life... Revenge is a very serious issue with wide-ranging ramifications in how we live our lives. Dr Justine Toe is a Senior Research Fellow at the Centre for Public Christianity. Justine, if some people are not able to process this important issue of vengeance and its place in real life, they can seriously tie themselves up in knots. Yeah, absolutely. As I said before, it doesn't really leave open the possibility of peace. You just uh, end up caught in uh, this violent struggle where one person is the victim, the other person is the aggressor, but then the victim retaliates and then new victims get created in the process. And then these victims have great reason to actually you know, seek vengeance. And so it doesn't actually end. And I can understand how we got into this position because no one wants to see themselves at fault. Everyone wants to say, you know, I've been the wounded one. Only, you know, my, the, the, the suffering that I've experienced overwhelms everything else. And I need to get restitution for this incredible suffering. But if everyone is feeling like that and everyone's also lashing out, then 
I think we can safely conclude that in the end, when it comes down to it, no one's innocent, right? I mean, I know that's, a, that's quite a charged statement to make, but I think that all of us in our, in our personal moments, in our quiet moments, can actually acknowledge that we haven't always acted the way that we have wanted to, and that when it comes to claiming the moral high ground, it might be very hard for us to, to, to occupy that and think, yes, I'm the one who is able to uh, deliver justice and it will never turn into vengeance. That doesn't quite work like that. I think that um, the only way to break that infinite cycle of violence and retaliation and violence is through forgiveness. And you don't see these um, films dealing at all with these sorts of questions. Um, perhaps forgiveness is too twee a notion for them. But it does strike me that forgiveness is possible if we remember that we aren't perfect, which is just what I've been talking about. And you know, if we perhaps adopt this attitude that Jesus was well known for, love your enemies, right? Seek good instead of evil. I think that is something that we don't really talk about because we like to have our way. We like to feel like we are the wounded party. But, you know, if we have big enough hearts, I think we can see that other people are wounded as well. And even in their violence, they are wounded and that they will be further wounded if we retaliate against them. So I wonder if that kind of other person-centeredness, that, that this ethic of neighborliness um, and that love towards enemies provides us a way of leading us out of this. Because, you know, it, it, even if it is considered very naive to think that just forgiveness can, can end the war on terror, right? Um, it, we clearly haven't come to a good place through the endless violence, right? And it's going to continue on and on and on. It's defined the 21st century so far, and I think it'll long define it unless we can start thinking of different ways forward. And I think forgiveness is one of them. You know, I'm really struck by, um, there was a story a couple of months ago where there was this, you know, football star, he had everything, and he, had, he got involved with this girl, and, and she ended up pregnant. And he wanted to actually, um, he thought, I can't have this. And so he, bizarrely enough, organized some hitmen to come and take her out and they managed to kill her but the baby survived and that was brought up by the girl's mother now that mother has raised this son and she could have filled the son with you know all the rage and hate against his father because you know he arranged for the daughter to be killed but she has decided not to do that she's decided to forgive him and so that is a compelling story that you know, if she was able to forgive this guy for killing her daughter, um, you know, if, that, if that's possible in that personal sense, then what could be possible in a larger sense when it comes to all the kinds of violence that exist in the world? It is possible to forgive. It absolutely is. It's very costly because you've got to absorb the debt. But at the same time, if that person can do it, you know, why can't the rest of us? It seems to me, Justine, that one of the strengths that we have as Christian believers and this capacity that we have to forgive is based on the fact that God is a God of justice. And when he says, vengeance is mine, you know, that's uh, scripture, vengeance mm. is mine, says the Lord. Uh, really, with faith in God, putting our trust in him, we know that he is the one who holds the scales of justice, and he is the one who will finally take that revenge. It actually gives grounds for us to venture into this realm of forgiveness and letting those things go so that we can move on. Yeah, absolutely. And it does strike me that, you know, while Jesus was being crucified, he was still pleading and loving his, so he was still pleading for and loving his enemies, saying, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. 
So it's like even at that moment of extremity, you know, Jesus is saying, oh, I will not, I don't want them to suffer for what they've done. But at the same time, as you mentioned, yes, God is a God of justice. And he is the one who was the ultimate wounded party when we hurt each other. So it's, it's, if we can say, right, I won't, won't retaliate, I'm going to wait for God because God is a God of justice and he will sort it out at the right time, then that actually helps us to live better in this world, which, you know, as we know, is imperfect, is fallen. We're not going to experience this, the fulfillment of um, the, you know, the restoration of the world now. But we can start to begin um, experiencing that by, by deferring that vengeance to God and letting God look care of, take care of it, because obviously he's not going to seek... I mean, when you say, you know, vengeance is mine, he really means justice, right? He's not just going to take <laughs> vengeance because he's petty or anything like that, but he's going to deliver justice because that is his character. And so I take great comfort in that. And I know that there are millions of people around the world who suffer on a daily basis, and they also take comfort in that, which then allows them to live peaceably with other people. Well, Justine, referring back to something you alluded to earlier, where you said revenge redefines us in the image of our enemies. Mm, Uh, Is it the case then that as we are people of forgivingness, that we are in fact redefined in the image of our Creator, who is the one from which we gain this ability to uh, forgive. Absolutely. I think you've really hit the nail on the head. And I want to stress that by reference to another film that's out at the moment, Les Miserables. Okay? It's based on the Victor Hugo novel, which then became a musical. In some ways, it is the opposite film to Django Unchained and Zero Dark Thirty because it is about forgiveness, right? This escaped convict, Valjean, he, um, oh no, actually he's released on parole, but the first thing he does is he steals from this bishop who's generously given him a place to stay for the night. But that bishop decides not to seek vengeance, right? Even though he's rightly been wounded. Uh, and he says, your soul has been bought by God, Valjean. You know, go and, and live a better life. So, and then Valjean, you know, he, uh, you know how the, the musical goes, but he actually decides not to kill the inspector that's been chasing after him. And so by... In, in effect, he extends the grace that was shown to him by the bishop to this inspector. And so in some ways, he is in the image of the bishop, right? Which is even more um, beautifully um, brought forth in this current film because the guy who plays the bishop, Tom Wilkinson, played Valjean in an earlier version of this film. So we see that, you know, what you said is completely right. When we forgive, when we extend grace to other people, we are in the image of God who also extends grace to us. We see that going on as well in the Les Miserables film with Valjean in the image of the bishop who initially extended grace to him. And I think that is wonderfully affirming. And it's just a pity that we don't see that in a lot of other films. But it is really wonderful to have Les Miserables um, represent that that kind of grace-filled and forgiveness-oriented ethos when we've got these fantasies of revenge, um, and not just fantasies, given Zero Dark Thirty, in in Django Unchained and, and the Bin Laden film. Dr. Justine Toe is Senior Research Fellow at the Centre for Public Christianity. The website is www.publicchristianity.org. Thanks for being with us on 2020. It's been a pleasure. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.